how you doing, Trent? Thanks for joining me. I'm doing good. How are you doing, Iman? I'm I'm really excited now. Thank God we're finally together and we can do this. We've been talking about it since quite some time now. Yeah, it's taken a while. I mean, but you know, God has a plan for everything. That is true. That is true. So I'm really happy, thanks to God, that we finally have this chance to sit down and do this show, which is called the Inside Out Project, obviously named by you. <laughs> So uh, tell us a little bit about what is the objective of this show? Well, the objective of this show is to enlighten people about prison settings, natures of people's cases that are they're going to prison behind and actually not even committing the crimes. Um, it's, it's really just giving a breakdown by case um, analysis to show what's wrong, what's right, and to see what we can put out in light. Um, it's also to hold prisoner, uh, prisons and officers and all that to a higher standard. Perfect. So if I could just read a little brief, uh, that I have here on our website, uh, just for our audiences to let them know they can go to justicenews.net slash the inside our project. And if they click on that, they will read a little brief uh, about what we're planning to do. So it's a, take a deep dive into the murky world of the U.S. injustice system and learn how to survive a prison and wrongful convictions. Learn the law and bring a change from within the system. Join Trent Taylor, the man behind the win of Taylor versus Rio Haas, Supreme Court decision that has disqualified all the decaying arguments of a lie called qualified immunity. The Inside Art Project is co-hosted by Justice News Managing Editor Imran Siddiqui, where Trent and Imran will work together in bringing you tools and the strategies to beat this unfair justice system at its own wicked game. Do you think I, do you think this is justified, what I just said? Yes, I do. I think, I, I, I believe it's fully justified. All right. So let's start. I, I, I don't think a lot of people know about Taylor versus Riojas. It's such a huge thing. So tell us about what is Taylor versus Riojas and what is what did it do to qualified immunity? Okay, well, well most people are, will probably wonder why they didn't hear about it. Well, they put it on a shadow docket. They did it right during the election. They did it at a time that everything was so busy that people's minds were on other things instead of just doing this but what it is is um i filed a lawsuit about the treatment that i received in prison the guards took it upon themselves to basically want to starve me dehydrate me beat on me things like that and i couldn't get no help no lawyers nobody wanted to help me at first so as doing it i learned the law I told I was told by an older guy, he's like, nobody will ever know your case better than you do. So if you give it to somebody else and they mess it up, that's on you. And so I just studied and over and over and over again. Well, when I, I came across my first hurdle beyond the PLRA, which was a qualified immunity. So the judge, I, I felt like well, I had all the evidence. I had all the answers. You know, they couldn't prove me wrong. Well, the judge kind of admitted like, OK, yeah, if they did it, who cares? Qualified immunity. Um, mm -hmm. like well, qualified immunity. So, and I had been told by somebody before that that's what you need to focus on when I first started the legal work. Well, I kept going and I kept fighting until the point where when they have a, they have a case, um, Harper versus showers and, but I kept fighting and using that case and, you know, the courts kept turning me down. And finally, it got to the point, it got to the attention where the court said, yeah, hey, it was wrong to make him sleep in feces and not feed him and water him and all that and everything for the amount of time, the seven days. Mm -hmm. They said that, well, no, it was six days, but they said had it been seven, it would have been a constitutional violation. But because it was six and six days hadn't been previously ruled on before, then it was no violation. Three yeah. days was ruled on and seven days was ruled on. But six was in what they called the gray area. But as a human being, as a human being, shouldn't even be one day enough, you know, that somebody is put in feces and kept there without food and water? 
Yeah, a, a full day. You shouldn't even have a full day. There's no, there's no, there is no justification for that on planet Earth. Um, and for the guards to do that, or the system to allow that, the guards are not there to punish you. They're there to hold you there. The walls in the prison setting is what's there to punish you. But guards have taken it upon themselves that they want to basically become judges in their own rights and uh, enforce punishment beyond what they feel is right or reasonable. And yeah, then the courts the, agree they with them. The, they become the judge and the jury and the executioners. Yeah, all in one. Yes. And then when they do that, the judges just extra, uh, they just agree with them and say, hey, qualified immunity. He was justified. He was justified. Well, what I did was. I brought back into play the older law that says, hey, you don't have to. Have prior precedent set for this, you can actually say, hey, if it was common sense that you should have knew that this was going to happen, then you can you can qualified immunity will not be granted and you can sue. And that's what I did, okay. um, you know, and you have officers and everything out there. This this is included. For how many anybody. officers? Uh, how, how, how many how many guys were there that you sued? Uh, at the very beginning of the lawsuit, there was 49 officers. And I believe I, I felt like I, I to this day, I still have evidence against every one of them because they all worked, signed papers that were on my doors. You know, you couldn't miss what I was sitting in. You couldn't yeah. miss the conditions, you know. But it ended up in the end just five, like, and that was after my trial, five appeals where I won three out of the five appeals by myself before it even went to the Supreme Court. So, so what happens then? You, uh, no, the, before it goes to the Supreme Court, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so the case goes into um, the Fifth Circuit. I, I, I write my appeal, and this case had already been sent back once before. It was sent back under appeal number 16-10498. And the judge kicked it right back out again. But he also said that, hey, it's okay that you slept in shit, piss, wherever you slept, because you're in prison. So it wasn't that bad. And then he said that I didn't follow their orders and pee in my floor. But had I done mm. that, then I wouldn't ever had to get a catheter. So I call that his uh, uh, Sam Cummins is pissing your piss where you sleep law. That's basically what that is. Yeah, that's a perfect so name, man. They used the case called um, oh, what was the case they used? Davis versus something. It it was an irrelevant case, basically. That's why I don't remember because it, it was so irrelevant. And I broke down analysis in my appeal, like, hey, this case holds no bar to my case because this man was given cleaning supplies. I wasn't and he was only in there a couple days, but he wasn't even naked. I was and I was there mm. for, for a long time. No cleaning supplies. What finally gets to the Fifth Circuit and they're, they're they read it and everything. And it's so funny because you have uh, Palmer versus Johnson where they made them sit in a circle outside on, on, um, and they wouldn't let them go pee nowhere else or shit nowhere else. So they had to do it sitting next to each other. Well, there's only 24 hours and they ruled that as. Of constitutional violation so the fifth circuit court of appeals says that it was okay for them to get qualified immunity for me to have to sleep butt naked and shit and piss but it was not okay for them to not give me a toilet that wasn't covered in shit and piss mm -hmm. they said i had to have a clean place to use the restroom but i don't have to have a clean place to sleep and that caused a big uproar mm -hmm. So um, that's when um, I was contacted by a bunch. I, I was contacted by a lot of people. Um, writs were wrote by some of the biggest um, ACLU type places in America. Um, I mean, everybody kind of went to bat for like, hey, well, you know, this is horrible. So um, Sam Weiss, I was, um, I had had my face broke. So I was on medical chain and Sam Weiss from Rights Behind Bars he messaged, well, he sent me a JPay, which is, you know, like an email letter. And he wanted to come talk. And I was like, all right, whatever. So he flew down and he talked to me. And he gave me 
the confidence that I knew he knew what was going on. And it, he he was like, look, I'm not charging you no money. I'm not charging you nothing. I want to help you do this. And so he took the case and he filed his en banc petition. And in the en banc petition, he, he pointed out the Supreme Court case that we were up against. And he was like, look, this guy, Taylor's case was 20 times longer than what the actual Supreme Court law is. But the Fifth Circuit, they completely ignored it and all that. It went to the Supreme Court. And it went in there with some pretty heavy qualified immunity cases. Um, there was one child that was shot while the officer was trying to shoot a little bitty friendly dog and accidentally shot the child. There was one where the wow. officer stole $250,000 from a dude and they granted them qualified immunity because it had never been to court before where officers stole some money. Um, Man. So everything got denied and Sam, he, he, he uh, responds to me and he's like, Hey, you know, cause I, I wanted to give up at times, but he was like, well, we're still in there. You know, everybody's been denied. We haven't had an answer. And on November 2nd, they came with an answer and they did it in the middle of the night or whenever it was, they did it when nobody else was around and nothing was going on and nobody would know what happened. And they, because you got to think Supreme court created qualified immunity. Now they're saying that it's wrong. So that's when they hit it with the shadow docket and was like, hey, yeah, this is too wrong right here. So let's go another direction with it. And by that happening, that's when Prince versus Alamu came in, uh, this guy that I know. And he got the same lawyer that I had. And the court, he used my case to come up into the courts, to the Supreme Court. And the court, Supreme Court's ruled for him again. And after that, the floodgates opened. Yeah, and now we got so many cases. Because you just had a precedent. Yes. Yeah, and no one knows about it. I mean, no media, it's like no news, so-called mainstream media or legacy media is talking about this humongous yeah. thing that just occurred. Yeah, no, they, um, like I said, they made sure and dropped the, the ruling right during the election of Biden and Trump. And, you know, that was, everybody was so focused on what was going on there. And, I mean, they basically almost close to right then when they were doing the election because it took away from what I had going on. Yeah. Or maybe that, you know, that's what, that's what they wanted. You know, it was just a, a blessing in disguise for them, but it was also a blessing for uh, a lot of the other folks that came after you that used your case as a president and are pushing. So tell us a little bit about that case that you just mentioned about Alamo. Okay. Prince versus Alamo. What that was, was, you had the uh, Alamo is the officer. Prince McCoy is the uh, I believe I, I believe it was his last name might be McCoy, but it's Prince versus Alamo. Uh, well, he was the inmate. Alamo was the officer, and he was working on the Darrington unit, and it's an old tier unit. It's got three tiers and it's got the bars. So he's walking down the run, doing the runs where they have G4s and G5s, which are your maximum security offenders. Well, they're yeah. throwing water on him. Some probably, you know, they're doing a bunch of stuff. Well, somebody hit him with some toilet paper. So I believe Prince might have been maybe been laughing or something, but he didn't hit this guy with no toilet paper or nothing. So Alamu turns around, pulls out his pepper spray and, and pepper sprayed him face like point blank. So Prince, he um he filed against this. Uh, he filed a lawsuit on it. And they granted him quali they granted qualified immunity to Alamu, even though this guy had done nothing wrong to get assaulted like this. They said that it hadn't been ruled on previously before. So he went through all the steps and everything, and he made it all the way to where Sam Weiss from Rice Behind Bars wanted to take the case. So he did, and within a year's time, Sam Sam Weiss won two qualified immunity cases in the Supreme Court, which is basically unheard of because it happened in less than a year. But by them saying that it hadn't been ruled on before, Prince comes in and he says, hey, look, well, you 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 have this case right here that just came through the Supreme Court, which is Taylor versus Riolas, where they said that it doesn't have to be ruled on before if it's clearly, obviously knowable, something that you should not have done and you know, like, it's just, hey, that's not a fucking thing you do, you know? You don't do no shit yeah. like that. He's laughing, so you want to spray him because somebody else did something to you. And so 
the Supreme Court granted in his favor. And they quoted, once again, they quoted my case to go with it. So what happened with your case? Okay, with my case, um, I filed my case. My case first happened in 2013. Um, I fought all the way up until February of this year. Um, I was supposed to go back to trial. We were going to settle out. This is what my lawyer wanted. My lawyer wanted me to settle out, whatever. And I had in my previous times, I had done everything by myself. I won a default judgment. And a default judgment, normally, I'm going to say you can get of what you asked for. So, I mean, I asked for a significant amount. And then I had also won a nominal damage of $1 from a trial that I won myself where I represented myself in this same case. Well, I had told my lawyer from the very beginning that, hey, I want my default judgment. I want that judgment. You know, I earned that. That's mine. And I want my dollar for my nominal damages. And that was in 2017 when they were supposed to have paid that. And, you know, he agreed the whole way out. Well, I owe back child support. Um, you know i was locked up for a very long time so basically they kind of threatened me or made it tried to scare me with the fact that hey you can go to jail for years if you don't pay this child support well one child support has absolutely nothing to do with my lawsuit yeah nothing at all and that's an intimidation tactic and then at the same time it's you're, this was my lawyer. You know, this is somebody I trusted. This is somebody I thought I had befriended. And so we're going back and forth because I'm telling him, hey, dude, I want my default judgment. They're like, yeah, we'll give you $50,000. You let the default judgment go. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then my lawyer's like, no, he's not going to let it go. You know, he's going to, we're going to put it in the paperwork. We're going to do all this and all that. And when it got to the very end, he just pulled all the way out. Like, hey. Dude, you're going to blow the biggest thing in American, uh, you know, history as far as this over uh, a, ju a default judgment or one measly dollar. And, you know, it kind of berated me. So I ended up signing. Well, all that money goes to child support and lawyer. But the thing is, I mean, I don't have a problem with the money going to child support. But y'all won't even let me see my child. He's 12 years old and I've never seen him. And he lives in the same city with me. And That's sad, man. I mean, I, I have a problem with that. And then with the attorney general's office, I've filed three times within the last few years to get my child support reevaluated or if anything. And the rights had been signed over. I had signed my rights over in 2013 when she asked me to because we knew I was going to be gone a long time. So. Then the lawyer pipes up like, you know, at first he was saying 10,000. And then as soon as the signature was getting ready to be placed on there, he's like, so I'm going to get 17,000 of that. That other's going to go to child support. And then you're still going to owe $10,000 in child support. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I got fucked all the way around on that situation, you know, um, and then he came back later and was like, oh, well, your nominal damages is included in that uh, award. No, it's not. And then it specifically says in there now that y'all specifically had it put that no officers are liable for what happened to me. Mm -hmm. If you look at the papers, um, the first day I got out of prison, I was in the USA Today and I was in the uh, Austin Statesman. And I, I, you know, they took pictures and everything. And it when they asked me a couple questions, I was just like, hey, I just want as somebody held liable. I just want them held liable. So I've been saying from the start, I just want them liable. In my asking for monetary damages or compensatory, whatever it was I was asking for in the initial lawsuit, I said, please just charge this penalty to each liable defendant. Mm. So, I mean, that basically the the ruling in the Supreme Court stands. But as far as I go, nothing. You know, it's just something that I had to deal with and get over it. Okay. So let me wrap this around my head. 
which I am kind of slow, so my apologies for that. But what you're saying is that none of those 49 guys will get punished for what they did to you. None. Not even the one that was found guilty for beating me with a bean bar. Okay, not even that. And all those it's, people who put who put you in the feces cell and deprived you of food, water, and uh, a clean place, and all of that, all those people just walk. Just walk. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll be watching this. You know, I hope they're feeling better. Uh, because they got away. That's just the bottom line, right? They got away with this. And one even said, one of the... I didn't get to see the depositions that my lawyer and them did, but they they told me. And Why didn't it's you crazy. see the depositions? Um, I mean, I guess they flew all over Texas to do these depositions. You and couldn't even get access to those depositions? Yeah, That's they never good. gave me access to the depositions. Why not, man? You know, and that's that's once again where I had befriended this dude and I put my faith in him. And I didn't know till after signing that several of those officers had said, well, at least one for sure. I know for a fact because they told me said that, yeah, I'm probably sure that he was put in shit because people get put in shit all the time over here. Mm. And I wonder I, have, I wonder if the officers were ever put in shit. Not those officers, I mean, those guards they've ever been put in shit i wonder um i actually have the um their records their tdc records of where they were all on probation most of them were on probation for beating on inmates wow and nobody fired them nobody held nobody them fired them then i have mm. the, i have other pictures of Perfect, cells yeah. covered in shit the fucked up united states injustice system would that yeah, be fair enough to to call this yeah, that? the taxpayers pay them to watch us, but who watches the watchers? Your tax, their tax monies, go strictly to pay them to abuse us. You have inmates in there that don't do anything wrong, and just one day officer might have have a problem, and hey, he's beat up, broken jaw, broken arm, and he's been segged because they said he assaulted an officer. So, what, what do you what do you think is going on with these folks? I mean, are they like? They sound like worse than animals because animals even do, don't do that to their own kind. So wh why do you think they do this, man? I mean, are they sick? Power. They power have trip. the power. You give somebody the power to go in there and tell 3,000 people what to do by any means necessary, then it kind of goes to their head. Mm. Until the power is ripped away from them, they're smacked on the floor, faces down. Then they realize. And and for any of the ones that was on the unit, the officers that were on the unit where I just had discharged from last year, they know that their power held no sway over me. I did not respect their authority at all from start to finish because of what they were not respectable people. Your authority is not respectable because of how you carry it. So therefore, I will not be respectable to it. And I'm not going to bother you, but you're not going to bother me. But when you did bother me, I was the force behind the inmates movement. I was the one that stood up for the inmates and I was the one that pushed the paper. Okay. And it got to the point where they had a picture of me up front and said, Hey, do not mess with this guy. So using that kind of also pissed them off even more. Yes. Yeah. But it's like, they're the ones who are doing the wrong and they're getting pissed off at somebody who's fighting back. Right. Yes. So, um, I had a really important question, man. It just blew my mind. But uh, I, I want to go back to qualified immunity in just a sec. But I had this last question in regards to that. Uh, it was you earlier. You were saying that they had no regard. It just blew my mind, man. Anyhow, I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, a uh, really cool dude called Chili DeCastro who's doing, he's running a channel on YouTube called Delete Laws with a Z. He's on DeleteLawsWithAZ.com. And this guy, you know, he's been trying to wake people up talking about qualified immunity. And, you know, he brings, he plays it all out in a, in a fantastic fashion to make it, you know, understandable what's going on. 
And he brings in Teddy versus Ohio, and he says that, you know, that that is the start of this farce, this bullshit called qualified immunity for sissies. Because real men, they own up to their mistakes. They don't hide behind stupid stuff like qualified immunity. But if you if you if you take if you pick up Teddy versus Ohio and you see how it's traveled all these decades and what it has become now, what do you think Taylor versus Rio Haas can do if people who know about constitutional rights and constitutional law and about the justice system in terms of people who are fighting for the innocent or fighting for justice, how can they use your case to get rid of qualified immunity? Uh, you'll have a lot of people, you know, you have your, your, your yayers and your naysayers and a lot of people would, that would say that it, it wasn't really that big of a deal as far as my ruling towards qualified immunity. But when you stop and think about it, it took 18 years for them to even rerule and approve and, and agree with somebody. And there was only two prior that they agreed, but it is it is ginormous for the simple fact that all I have to do is lightly prove that it was common sense that had you not done what you did, this would not have happened. And that's so easy to point out, like, because you can find things like common sense within a baby, you know, you might have a baby here if he touches something hot. It's going to burn that baby and that baby's going to learn real quick not to touch that again. So by an officer doing something, hey, if you burn me with this pepper spray or something like that, you know, that burns. It tells you how hot it gets. Then common sense tells you that, hey, it was going to hurt me or especially with the pepper spray for the simple fact that officers are sprayed before they're allowed to spray. So, you know, the effects of this. So you in mm -hmm. your. Now it's not that you're spraying this no to to save your job or anything. no you're intentionally trying to cause me physical harm mm. and in the federal law books physical physical harm is anything that causes impairment bleeding anything like that but when it comes in and that goes for criminal law but when it comes to civil law they change the whole definition around to make it seem like diminished school, like saying that, okay, just regular pain is not, cannot be prosecuted or, or is not a violation. But they use the same word in criminal and give it a whole nother type of de definition. It's to suit their needs. Mm. So yeah, it's because they know they can get away with it. Yes. They, they know that, hey, you know, uh, our masters have our backs. And, you know, somehow we just get away. So that's why they become even worse thugs. But uh, isn't it, isn't this domestic terrorism, man? I mean, it is. Um, look, look at the rights they're taking away from us. I mean, qualified immunity should never even been a, a factor. Why, why is it? It's either are you right or is it, are you wrong? That, I mean, that's what it is. And qualified immunity is a way to justify so that, they say all the police won't quit working for police departments and things like that because they're not going to be indemnified. But what a lot of people don't know is anytime that cop messes up or that officer messes up, he doesn't pay nothing. The state pays for him. He's indemnified. So it's not hurting his pocket at all. It doesn't hurt him one little bit to do anything wrong to you because he, it'll never cost him a dime. And that's why they keep doing it again and again. Yep. So the, 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 the responsibility and the shame also falls on the courts that, you know, just allow these guys to continue acting like that. So the, if they kill somebody, so the murder would be at the hands of these courts. Basically, um, you have Clarence, uh, you have Judge Clarence Thomas. Uh, Tom, Thomas Thompson, he, um, he's totally against qualified immunity 99% of the time. But can you guess the only 1% of the time that he was for qualified immunity? Um, here it is, a clear-cut example where they're, where they're telling you, like, hey, you basically tortured me almost to death. 
and you decide now that qualified immunity is okay. Even Justice Alito said that he would not have picked that case up. He would not have picked my case up. And he says, yeah, what they did was wrong, but the court still gave me avenues. They gave me a back door, which is I should have had a clean toilet. That's what continues to allow them to do it because they continue to give them those back doors. Yeah. And look at how we hold these judges like gods or something, you know, like, whoa. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. A lot of the folks are just simple folks that have no idea uh, the kind of crap these judges can pull out of their asses. I mean, the judge I have has been in there, I think, since 1987. Well, I've, uh, I won, like I said, I won three out of five appeals in the Fifth Circuit that I did myself. Um. So that's three times right there that he got in trouble. Well, now I'm not gonna say trouble, but he like his rulings were overturned. Like, hey, you're you're talking nonsense, dude. Then the Fifth Circuit did that. So it goes up to the Supreme Court now, and so the Supreme Court overturns the Fifth Circuit's decision, which you know shit rolls downhill. So not only did I get him where he looked bad, I got the Fifth Circuit where they looked bad because it's there. It's this is one of those cases that you can't say anything, but that's fucked up. Yeah, you but I, I, I gotta. Yeah, I. Uh, but I must give the credit where it's due, especially when it's pretty rare when things like these happen. So you, we gotta hand it over to the judge who finally decided this thing. You know, because I think this decision, no matter what the outcome was, at least we have a precedent that, hey, if you are working for the government, if you're a government employee, a guard, a police officer, no matter what, and you come and fuck around with me for no reason, I'm going to fuck you back. That's what it shows. Yes. And yeah, you have your bullshit immunity, but I'm going to become a force that you can't push back. I'll keep coming at you. I'll become a wall. And if you try to hurt me, I'll fall over you and crush you down. And that goes to the next phase of our Q&A, that one of the reasons why you did what you did, man, which is so fascinating, uh, is that you learned the law inside. And that's why the show is called Inside Out Project. Because anyone who's listening, who has loved one incarcerated wrongfully, or those who are incarcerated wrongfully or listening to this, you know, the first thing that they must know is that you have to know the law so that you can fight your way out legally because these guys would not just let you walk. So tell us a little bit about that. How did you learn the law? And then how did you uh, maneuver to file all these cases on your own? Because most of the feedback that I get from uh, people who are incarcerated is that, hey, some of them can't even read and write, man. They don't have any money on the books. They're, they're in a lot of trouble. They need support. So in that situation, how did you learn the law and how do you apply it and how can other people take advantage of that? Okay, well, the first thing that I had to do was make a decision if I was all in or all out. There was no half step and uh, there was no quarter, no surrender, no white flags. I was full mode, full charge ahead. And I say that because you have to pay to file a lawsuit. Inmates have to. They don't get the, even though if they're granted informers papyrus, they don't. They're not given the luxury to not have to pay to decide. Well, I can either file my lawsuit or I can get me some toothpaste and deodorant and some soap. Or I can file this lawsuit, or the hygiene, you know, or stamps to write my loved ones. So mm -hmm. I made that decision that it's all or nothing. I'm going in for my lawsuit. Well, yeah. once I made that decision, there was a guy across the hall. His name was Nicholas Castleberry. And uh they had melted his leg. Damn. And I mean, and they had this dude, they thought it was funny to make this dude crawl around the compound on his hands and knees. Because he couldn't use his legs no more because they melted it with TDC coffee. Man. And um he told me he lost his lawsuit due to qualified immunity. And I didn't know anything about the law. And he says, Whatever you do, study qualified immunity first. Well, that's it, qualified immunity is like really granted through a rule 54b summary judgment um 
so that's way down the line so i get back to my unit after i get off that unit and i ask a couple people you know to help me out you know one dude he he had his real smart mouth on him i moved on from him and there was a dude named james demoss and i told him i said sir i don't want you to tell i don't want you to do my work i want you to tell me what book it is that you started that made you become the best because i need to start that same book and he's like, well, I'll take you under my wing. If you, he, But the first thing he told me is, don't expect a bunch of money because you're not getting no money. If you're in it for that, then stop. Yeah. Well, I would write. Every day I would go to that law library and I'd sit there for four hours and write everything I could out of the law books. And he was teaching me and, you know, prison, other prisoners passed down books to me. And I questioned. I questioned everything. Well, what about this or what about that? <clears throat> well, the law says that this is that way or this is that way. So there cannot be no in-between. Well, I learned to find what their in-betweens were. So as doing that, four hours in that law library, then I'd go back to my cell and I'd probably study anywhere from another four to eight hours. And I did this every day for a year working on my lawsuit until I got it where it needed to be. And then I filed it. I filed it on my birthday, September 14, 2013. Um, well, 2014 is when it was, it went into effect. Um, so there was a lot of trial and error, um, because I remember going up to Mr. DeMoss and telling him, how do you write a writ? And he came back to me and he gave me a federal rules, civil procedures book. He said, I was thinking about what you asked me. He said, the only way to tell you that is for you to read this. And there was another question I asked him. I said, uh, well, how do you know? The question was, how do I come up with names for motions? Do I just write a name and add motion on top of it? And, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. You know, and he brought me the federal rules, civil procedures. Told me start from one. Well, not only did I start from one, I wrote it. I sat there and I wrote the whole book. Cool, man. And. I would go back and I would study and study and study. And it, it, it fascinated me. Um, I mean, cause you see other, you, you see other things along the way, like banking, financial stuff, uh, oil, um, real estate law. You learn all that along the way because you have to research so many cases. And when I learned what that old man told me, he says, nobody will ever know your case like you do. And nobody will ever work on your case the way you will. I was just determined. I was like, I was so determined. Um, I went to try and it's actually way easier than what people think it is. I can I can basically list off the whole process of what's going to happen and what you need to do in an average 1983 lawsuit. Mine was far by, from average. By the way, we need to do that in the show. Anybody who would need help. In terms of getting that, uh, you know, they, they will go to our website. And they will book a free time with you and then you will help them, right? Yeah. Well, see, I'm not I'm not a I'm not a lawyer, nor do I claim to be a lawyer, but I could give them or talk to them about the processes and the steps that I would personally take and yeah. you know, give them their way if that's how they want to look at it, you know, they can do it on their own. But the, I would point them in the right direction. These are the processes that I would take. Beautiful. And, yeah, so then they would know. I mean that it's like Whatever that you have learned, you are ready to share it with people. Is that correct? Yes. And it, it and it is so simple. Everybody thinks that because you have to go to court and do all this. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to learn, but there's phases. You learn yeah. through the phases. You just, okay, don't focus on the next phase. Focus on the first phase. Yeah. yeah they look at the whole thing and look at it as a mountain and say, how am I going to climb this one, man? Yeah. I, 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 instead, they just break it down into train bogies or in parts and they can just climb steps at a time. We would do an episode on that where we would break down all those phases so people can take advantage of that. So continue. So then what did you do? So, I mean, I kind of, there was times that I would get overwhelmed. Uh, I remember my first, my first, because I, I, I followed a motion to for leave to preserve evidence. That was with my very first my very first filing, the judge said no. Now, the reason why that's relevant is because 
right before I was supposed to go to trial this time, I asked that they mm -hmm. save the video and all that. They threw away the videos and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but that that one motion would have gave me a spoilation uh, count for the jury in a jury charge. Spoliation is where they should have held on to the evidence and lost it. So it counts for you. Whatever you say happened basically happened then. Well, cool. um, I just I just kept sticking with it. And then we would have we had one mock trial at that unit that I was at. You know, we kind of had a little mock trial with a lot of the people that go to the law library, you know, and we played around and well, when it got time for me to come to, uh, oh, I got my, my summary judgment ruling back and the judge had kicked everybody off of the list, except for the person that hit me with the bean bar in the testicles uh -huh. and granted everybody granted 48 people qualified immunity. And mind you, even the even the even the guy who gave you the burger with cockroaches in it yeah 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 in the end they completely ignored that mm -hmm. in the end they completely ignored the fact that nobody gave me water for four days and where's the how can you get qualified immunity for that common sense everybody on the planet earth every species knows that you have to have water to survive mm. and they would drop it on the urine the food oh okay the, there's a the, slot the... there's a slot um if the second cell which was the seclusion cell where i was sleeping on the floor there was um no toilet no bed no nothing it's just a floor with a drain and in the drain is pumping sewage literally pumping sewage i mean i'm literally sleeping about a quarter inch to a half inch deep in sewage somebody else's shit and piss and there's three air conditioners on at all times full blast that's why it's called the cold room um when they come to feed you what they do is they'll open the slot and they'll tell you to put all your food they'll take a bag of cheerios uh whatever you have and they'll dump it all in your hands so how am i supposed to hold a box of Cheerios and all this. I mean, there's no wrappers. You don't get no wrappers or nothing. They just dump it all in your hands. If it goes on the floor, that's on you. No so, plate, no nothing, nothing to put food on. Nothing, nothing at all. Hand. Except your dirty hands that you've been touching the floor where people have been shitting, pissing, and and and, and masturbating on. You know, um, it's the smell is horrendous, horrendous. Um, in the regular cell. Basically the same thing. You got a little bunk though, and you got a toilet, but they uh they take your sandwiches and they just mm -hmm. pour them in there and drop them on the floor. Mm -hmm. Take them out the wrapper because they'll say tell you you can't have the wrapper. Man, and, you know, dude, in uh, uh in two thousand and eight, I when I was working for the government, I had the the opportunity to go to Guantanamo Bay at Gitmo, where they keep those so-called extreme dangerous, extremely dangerous terrorists. Dude, they were living in like a hotel, man. And you're talking about you're like, this is the United States and you're an American. I mean, they don't even treat prisoners of war like that, man, the way they were treating you. Yeah, no, um, I remember I told Riois, I said, man, I'm not a dog. Why are you treating me like this? And he told me, he says, no, no, I treat my dog better than this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And his name was Robert Riois. Um, he's one of the ones that TDC got rid of him. And he, instead of residing in Lubbock now, he resides down there in San Antonio. And, um, but yeah, he first... First day I met him, I was banging on the door and I had been asking for a restroom break for hours and hours and hours. The drain is not a, it's not for you to piss in. You know, they have little bitty holes on top, but it's not for you to piss in because it's not a toilet and it don't have a flush or nothing, but it was already stopped up and I'm begging them, you know, let me use the restroom. Let me use the restroom. Nothing. They wouldn't let me use the restroom. So now that I'm knocking on this door because I'm in a closet inside of a closet behind the desk. 
So the only way I can get your attention is to knock. And you're supposed to come check on me every 15 minutes. I might not see you for three or four hours. So he asked me why I was banging on his door. I said, because I got to use the restroom. And he tells me, he says, look, dude, I got like 2,000 something people here to deal with. I said, no, you don't. You have 586 people on this unit. He started laughing and says, all right, you got me. I was lying. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had just got out of the hospital. And um, the smell in the room had become so bad, so atrocious that I began to have a chest pain. So they called the infirmary because I couldn't breathe right. And the RN in the infirmary told the nurse that was up there with me, escort him to medical immediately. The nurse told him no. Mm-hmm. Told him flat out, no, we don't have the security staff to do that. But they bring four people directly to my cell, four security officers, and do a cell extraction. And then f- they don't make me get out on the ground during the first part of the cell extraction. But coming back in, they laid me down face first in the sewage. And it was all on camera, and they just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. But mind you, that's the same videotape that they said disappeared. I'm sure it's somewhere there. You know, he just admitted to you that he lies. They all lie. Yeah. It's just that, you know, it's a huge embarrassment when that video comes out. uh, Proving what you're saying, which actually occurred. Everyone knows it it occurred. And then the maintenance records disappeared, and they were supposed to hold them for uh, a, a long time. And their rules... Their rules and regulations say that they must hold anything that is relevant to your case from the moment you file a grievance until the period date periods run out. Hmm. What about the guy they made they made him the guy had hepatitis C and they made him shit all over the floors okay. and the walls? Now that was in my cell. Okay. So what it was was when we get there, I go in I'm going in the cell, but they we could smell it down the hall. And the officers are like, well, uh, they're talking about the shit smell. So they open the door and they just snatch my boxers off of me, push me in there and slam the door and I'm handcuffed. So I'm telling them, I'm looking around like, man, there was shit everywhere. They're all over the walls, the water fountain, the toilet, the bunk, the floor, the windows. So they told me, they basically talked shit to me. Cortez, Hunter and Davidson did. And they were like, you're going to have a long fucking weekend. So after that, there's two inmates across the hall. And so that's how you, you know, contact people. You yell at them, hey, what are you here? You know, where what unit you from? Well, the dude kept calling myself, kept calling my bunk. So I go to to the door and I'm literally stepping in dry fecal matter, crunchy. And it's disgusting. So and the smells so bad. Well, he told he tells me, he says, Hey, look, dude, I was in that cell yesterday. I, I'm the one that shit it down. Because they didn't want to move me. But be careful. I got hepatitis C, though. Yeah. I mean, that was obviously by design. They made him shit there. And then take him out so that, you know, they give you uh, a hole full of shit and piss. So that you can, they can torture you there, man. Basically, what, yeah. Yeah. So, you didn't stop. You... You uh, right now we're talking about you halfway through your inside war that you're fighting from inside. You learned the law. You started filing lawsuits upon lawsuits by yourself, and now you're you're getting closer towards the Supreme Court, right? Yes. And then, but while you were filing those lawsuits, weren't they thinking like we got to let this guy go, man? Because uh, I think they were thinking that the absolute opposite. They made me do my sentence day for day, hour for mm-hmm. hour, minute for minute, and second for second. They made me do the whole 11. They didn't even give me a chance for parole. Mm-hmm. Did anyone uh, uh, get back to you since you've been out? Did anyone reach out to hey, man, I'm sorry about what happened? Um, none of the officers, no prison people. Um. I mean, I've had people like on, on Twitter, my Twitter, which is at Trent Michael Taylor. Um, a lot of them would tell me, you know, because I felt kind of devastated when I, I I got messed over and in. They were like, hey, look, we're sorry for what happened. But, 
you know, you did good. Continue on, you know. Um, and I mean, I thank them for that. But at the end of the day, too, like, hey, I'm glad I helped everybody else out. But hey, sometimes I need help, too. And for me to have fought as long as I did for the system to win again, it kind of, you know, it kind of upset me a little bit there. But, you know, I learned a valuable lesson. I learned the law and I learned that we could teach some other people how to do the same thing I did. Because if you never give up, you never surrender and you never raise a white flag, they'll tap out before you will. If you're willing to go all in on something, then that you can't be stopped because no matter what you've already put your mind forth that, Hey, I'm going all in, no matter what I have to do, I'm going to do this. Now imagine if we had hundreds of people like that, not even hundreds. Imagine if we had 10 of me doing what I did, 10 new precedents, well, not even new precedents, but brought into light precedents, precedents yeah. that are affecting what's going on. Just 10. And it, that was my thing, you know, and I would have friends that I would tell all the time, hey, I'm not going to do your legal work for you. If you want to go home, the same book they put you in here with is the same book that will get you can get up out of here with. Beautiful. You just got to try and learn it. Yeah. So well, what about the outside part of this struggle? Because the inside part is that, okay, you're in there. No matter what circumstance, you got to learn the law and you got to start fighting from within, from inside. And when you say, because you came up with this idea, right? The inside out project. So what is the out part of this inside project? The out part is how I, it, it, I affect everybody as far as like, it started from the inside. It was inside the walls, but now I'm, I'm making it. I, I built something that would take me farther in life outside of the walls. Mm. Um. Because, I mean, you know, you can look at me. I have tattoos on my face. I have a bunch of tattoos, this and that. Um, I was not the best person in the world growing up, you know. Um, and people look at me now and they see what I've accomplished and they're like, wow, that's little Trent from, you know, that did this back in the day or this and that. Wow, if he can change, everybody can change. And I've learned that it's not always about this. It's not always this. But this, he gives it to you for a reason. So when you learn how to use this, then you learn how to use the pen. And when you learn how to use the pen, that's mightier than the sword. One more thing before we go is all those people who are fighting from inside, how critical do you think is the support from the outside, even if it's just from one person? Like in your case, I found out about you through Maria's video, your wife's video that she was so strong and so brave that, you know, when she was going to take, pick you up from the prison, when they were letting you go, you know, she shot that video and I saw it and, you know, it was just really brave and courageous for her to do that. But what did that mean to you, man, when you were in there, when you were hang up the phone on 15 minute phone calls and you drop that phone and then you go back, what kind of impact that well, that support plays on you, on people. You know, in the end, they had me where I couldn't get none of that. You know, they had me, they had me ball and chain tied up somewhere where that I couldn't talk to people in the outside world no more or nothing. Um, because I had the power of the media at that time. And mm. once I had the power of the media that people wanted to kind of, hey, what's going on? You know, just this happened. They didn't want, they didn't, yeah, TDC does not like that at all. But that support from her, I mean, she's my best friend. My wife is my mm -hmm. best friend. Um, the support that she gave, there was times, so many times that I wanted to give up. There was so many times that I just wanted to write Sam and be like, you're, you're bullshitting me. I'm tired of this. I don't trust you. You're a lawyer. And, and she would talk to me like, hey, is that really what you want to do? Is that something you want to do? Let's just wait a couple of days and see what happens. And had it not been for her mentality, she's um uh, she's she's the light to my dark. You know, she's the happy to my frown. Uh 
had it not been for her mentality stepping in when it did, then this there wouldn't be no Taylor versus Riois. Because there was so many other things in prison that was going on that required my attention that it was so hard to focus on still being a lawyer. It was so hard to focus on fighting for our rights in there. The same way you see them out here fighting for rights. You know, in there, they we do too sometimes, you know. And to have to be like, okay, I can only go so far because, hey, there's my legal work over there. I don't want them to mess my legal work up or for them to actually take my legal work and me to get the judge to, to make them give it back, you know. Then there was times when, hey, they would throw your legal work away and you're just like, wow, that was all my evidence. I mean, you know, it gets crucial, you know, and then everyday life in there. So that play, that 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 one little support plays more than anybody can even imagine. Yeah. It does. Um, it can mean life or death in a, in, in a situation. Yeah, man, I, I, I see that uh, in all these cases that we have. Uh, I, I see people wanting to help their loved ones. But when I share the strategy with them, when I show them the roadmap, they run the other way. And they don't like my approach because, you know, it's too difficult to fight. You know, it, they have made it so difficult that it's, 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 uh, it's, it is difficult to fight uh, for somebody who's uh, incarcerated, wrongfully or not. So, you know, it's, it's highly imperative that people who, those families or loved ones who are outside, they need to support those who are inside because they have nobody else, of course, except God. Like God sent Maria to you as his mercy. And she, she, she was helpless, but she still did a lot, even being in that condition where she couldn't do much, but she still did a lot. So that's what I would suggest to all those family members who are listening that they should do the same thing. You know, don't give up on that, man. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll never sugarcoat anything. There's people that deserve to be in that penitentiary for the rest of their life. There's people that should never, ever be able to walk God's green earth again because they're destructive. They are destruction mm. incarnate. Mm. Um, those people still deserve every now and then to hear from somebody for the simple fact that we don't know what they went through in their life that made them that way. Mm. No, we, we hate that they are that way as society does, but you don't know what that person's struggles were and everybody's story is different, but everybody has a story. Now for those people that do deserve to be out here or they don't even deserve to be in there, just one one little word of encouragement can go so far people don't even understand it i mean and it's not even hey pay me money so i can go to commissary no it's every now and then i need a shoulder to lean on and like i say it all the time you know if you need a shoulder to lean on well i got two of them yeah and i mean you know it's it's a different place, you know, in there, you, it, it can break you real quick, real quick. Um, and them times, them walls talk to you. That's what it is. The walls will talk to you because when you're in there and it's just you and them four walls and them lights are out, you're going to think about everything that's ever happened in life, whether that you did wrong or who you messed over or what. And when they start talking to you, you get a lot of people that can't make it. They, they they end up taking their lives or things like that. But knowing that you can go out there and pick up that phone or do something and get that one little call in to hear that one, I love you. It makes a world of difference. I remember when I spoke to you last year, you said that I, I asked you how do you survive it, especially those days when they used to put you in the hole. And you said that you had you would go in your in your mind. My head. I, yeah, I, I built my own world inside of my head. Um, they probably would call it crazy, but when you have no human interaction, no nothing, no blankets, no nothing. It's just you and a concrete floor for upwards of 45, 60 days, you know, and 
that time I did basically between 15 and a 30 day period. Um, I did a solid 15 day period with no human interaction beyond throwing my towel in there and walking off. Um, but there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. I mean, your, your brain starts making you hear things. So there's never total silence because you'll hear beeps and things in your ear, you know, but you build something in your head, basically a daydream and you live it and you go in there and you, you live it because if God didn't give you these storage spaces and these things in your brain to use, then you would crackle instantly going in something like that. But he gave you those places to run and hide for a reason. Yeah, or reflect, think about it, introspection. Because I also remember you said that, hey, if I did something wrong, I don't mind paying the price for it, which I was paying. But that doesn't give you the right to put my face in feces. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I did something wrong, you know. And, and what, what a lot of people don't understand, okay, I was at a psychiatric hospital. I was transferred from a unit to a psychiatric hospital. I never tried to kill myself. Why I was never because of them, them saying that I wouldn't tell on an officer that gave me some like ibuprofen type pills for some pain. And I overdosed on these pills. I took one too many because I had credonis in my knee and I had a really bad knee and that was three flights upstairs and my knee hurt real bad. So, I mean, I went, I didn't take them to kill myself and I told them when it happened, Hey, I didn't try to kill myself. And they was like, Oh yeah, yeah, you didn't. Even the doctor at the hospital knew I didn't try to kill myself, but yet they decided that, you know what? We don't like this guy. You know, he's not going to tell us who gave him them pills or whatever. They sent me over there without my permission. Yeah, and 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 that is where they could do the shit that they wanted to do to you because they couldn't do it in another place. Yes. Yeah. That was okay. and that was it. And you know they swore they swore up and down that I was doing all kinds of stuff. And I remember the major telling me, "I'm gonna go in your house," and I was like, "Dude, I don't have nothing. I ain't made commissary in years." I don't even have one soup. That's what I told him. And he said, well, when I go in your house and I find one soup, I'm going to lock you up for drug trafficking. And he went in my house and he didn't find not one soup. And he kind of got mad when, when uh, he said, well, I heard the officer owes you this right here. I said, well, if he does, he needs to hurry up and give it to me because I'm starving. And he didn't like that. I mean, you know, and that's, I guess that's what it started at all. Yeah. And it, it, it... It's just pathetic, man. I mean, you know, it's just absolutely pathetic. This is this is the so-called biggest democracy in the world. You know, defender of fucking human rights and civil liberties, my ass. You know, they can't even do it in their own backyard. It's just um, sad. I got something that, you know, to, to, to leave everybody with or, you know, ponder on. If you think about it, I've come from poverty right now to politics. From poverty to politics, America's true reflections. If you want to see the true reflections of our American society or our country, go look at its prisons and see how they're living, how they're acting, what's being done, how they're being re rehabilitated. And it'll show you really what's going on in America. And some people will get that and some people won't get it. Good. It'll definitely open your eyes to a whole another world, basically. Yeah. And those who get it, they better do something about it, you know, because they could be next. 